Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. With those thousand new things, and with the IFT one behind them, SpaceX has everything they need, supposedly, hopefully, to do IFT2 sometime relatively soon. Uh, we're not sure when that's going to be. Nobody really knows at this point. SpaceX has uh, been working with the FAA this whole time since IFT, before IFT1, of course, because they needed to work with the FAA before IFT1 so they could launch IFT1, so they could launch the Starship the first time. Uh, but now they have IFT2 coming up, and there are a few things that we need to kind of look at and see where they're at with this. We can't make any assumptions of when they're going to launch this uh, gigantic 400-foot-plus-tall rocket, uh, but it's going to be an interesting launch regardless because if everything goes well, they're going to be on track to, you know, two times this year, of course, if they get this out of the way by the end of this year, two launches this year, which is huge because nobody really expected it to work the first time. Like, even Elon gave it, what, like a 50% chance, maybe, to get off the pad? <laughs> so, yeah, it, it seems like IFT2 is going to be a really wild ride. And if they, can, if they can clear the pad and get to stage separation and successfully separate, I think this would be a success. I think this would be a success. Um so I want to know what you think, though, because that it's it's important to hear what everybody what everybody thinks. Uh, what do you think in chat right now? Everybody who's here right now, if you're in chat, let me know what you think is going to be a success for IFT two, and we'll kind of we'll go off that, we'll riff off that for a little bit. Holly, what's up? Uh, what's up, space baller? Why is the timer counting up? Because we, <laughs> because. We don't know when it's going to launch. So it's just a, it's an enigma. We don't know when it's going to launch. So it just kind of does a thing. So this is, that's the first net launch uh, date for Starship was the eighth. And since it's not the eighth anymore, and it's, we easily passed that, uh, we're just going to keep it counting up kind of as a, as a meme, as a joke until they actually figure out a new time, a new date. And they kind of put it on paper. We're going to we're going to do the countdown timer at that point. This is the count up timer. Um, what's up, Wessex? Um, I'm holding on to 925 for B9S25 launch or at least that week. It's the Elon thing to do. <laughs> it's always two weeks, you know, got to do the two week thing. Um, drove halfway to Texas on third. Ooh, are you going down to Starbase again? Uh, Rick says not doing somersaults will be a success. I agree with that. I agree with that 100%. Separation is success. High speed belly flop into the ocean near Hawaii would be a huge bonus space baller. I agree. That would be a huge thing. I think anything past separation is a huge success. I think separation alone is a huge success because once they get past separation and they can light, if they can light the, uh, the uh, the engines on the Starship on S25, I think that would be probably the biggest success of SpaceX's, uh, you know, Starship program to date. I mean, that's huge. That's huge. 
nice holly you're going down that's sick that's so cool um yeah i think it's i think once they get past separation i think everything after that is just kind of like it's good like they're they're excited like they had they did it you know so i think i think after that's going to be great and i want to show you everybody here what elon said about some of this stuff i gotta get my stuff over here so you can see it too there we go check this out what elon said the other day uh september 9th a couple days ago elon said starship flight two with a picture that he took on his phone underneath the booster in the ship that's stacked it's like come on <laughs> this thing's huge it's still every time i do a live stream and i see photos or i see videos of this kind of stuff i'm like it's so massive uh, but he's standing underneath <clears throat> the launch tower underneath the booster uh you can see the the engines the raptor engines underneath there and you can see that the ship stacked on top the thing is absolutely massive but the important thing from this tweet is his second tweet he said, congrats to SpaceX for completing a document and documenting the 57 items required by the FAA for flight two of Starship. Worth noting that six of the 63 items refer to later flights. So of the 63 items that need to be done for Starship to launch for IFT2, Integrated Flight Test 2, SpaceX already has six things on the list for next time for future flights. So let's take a look at some of these things. And most of these are just kind of like it's, it's engineering speak. So don't really know exactly what they are. And they're pretty boring. Like this one, replace certain manifolds with dedicated drain per co uh, corresponding valve. Replace certain man like <laughs> booster leak mitigation. <clears throat> but we don't know what those manifolds are. Dedicated drain per corresponding valve. Don't really know what that stuff is. But these are things that SpaceX sent over to the FAA and said, hey, these are things where we can do to mitigate the damage for IFT2. So increase scrutiny on leak checks. So instead of, you know, uh, check them once, check them twice, check them three times, uh, <clears throat> do a different set of tests before they actually launch the thing. Uh, 90 plus camera. This is the cool one. C10 right here. Um, let me open this in a new tab. This is a really cool one right here. Uh, C10. 90 plus cameras added to detect leakage during operations. Okay, so this is an important one. 90 plus cameras added to detect leakage during operations. And that's still in the booster leak mitigation category. 90 plus cameras. So we aren't going to see any of those cameras probably. Most of these are internal for SpaceX to look at all these leaks and to look at, well, potential leaks, I should say, and hopefully they don't have any leaks, but 90 plus cameras inside of the booster, outside of the booster, on the, the structure, um, pointed at the booster, pointed at the ship to see if there's any leaks. So that could be part of the C9 increased scrutiny of leak checks, C10 90 plus cameras. Wow. Also, this is an important one too. C8, disallow certain seal reuse and add cameras to monitor all engines during ground operations. So seals, of course, seal things, uh, but they don't want to reuse the seals. They have to put new ones in. That's what it seems like in this. 
um, replace certain flanges with better seals and improve joint design. So these are things that SpaceX would probably do anyway once they found the data from IFT-1 on their own. They would probably do these things anyway. But since the FAA was looking into this, uh, they sent it over to the FAA and they said, hey, you know, we have these things that we're going to do to mitigate risks for IFT-2. So add leak capture and drain hardware for valves of a, of a certain type. And they don't go into this type. And it could just be due to, you know, ITAR stuff, or it could be, you know, it's a it's a matter that's private to SpaceX. And they don't want to show people what they're using as well, like what kind of technology they're using. So um, they, they're being pretty vague about this at this point, too. Reassess K-factor and torque for engine hot joint one, add leak capture and root overboard. Uh, ground test campaign to better characterize typical engine leakage. Um, improve structural FEA fatigue analysis for all medium to high critical, uh, critically criticality. There we go. Wow, that's a weird word, criticality. Uh, lines, add insulation to engine lines. So basically, these are all things that are happening on the ground in the booster and the ship um, to seal it up, make sure there's no leaks, make sure nothing's just busted before they launch this thing. And they sent all of these over to the FAA. I said, here, this is this is what we're going to do. And if we can check some of these off, we don't know what the things are that, Elon, you know, Elon said, uh, worth noting that six of the 63 items were refer to um, later flights. And he has over here on this one, one, two, three, four, five on this. And then we have another one, improved igniter seal design. Looks like it's for future flight. C-38, change certain booster valve timing. Certain booster valve timing. Don't know what that is. Improve oxygen valve design. Improve oxygen valve seal design. Improve design of hot manifold. So oxygen valve design and oxygen valve seal design go hand in hand. And improve design of hot manifold. Uh, redesign network architecture as well. So this is avionics reliability improvement for C-49. Those are for future flights. These are the ones that I'm naming off. These ones in gray here. So... Um, redesign the fire suppression system, change conditions around bolts. Very vague. What are these conditions? What bolts? We don't know. And that's okay. We don't need to know. Like nobody needs to know this stuff because this is all internal for SpaceX and for the FAA. Um, Saturn V says 90 cameras is a lot. Uh, Elon should add Tesla's FSD to Starship to handle the launch. Uh, we can't put any cones in the way. We can't put any construction work in the way or this thing will not have a good launch center five, but um, it might be, you know, they do have systems in place for automated launch and automated tracking and automated uh, flight. So it's kind of like that at this point. They don't drive it with a joystick. It's not like that. They have automated systems to do that. So it's almost like FSD. Um, improve CAD controls, C56. That's the change control safety systems. Um, redesign of launch pad deck. So that's the the sprinkler system and the deluge system, uh, the porta potty underneath the uh, underneath the launch site. Um, improve assumptions for new pad deck design. Um, what assumptions? Um, add water cooled pad deck. They already did that. Improve pad deck design documentation. So um, they have to show them. They're showing them how this works and how they built this and. Um, what steps they took to get to this point, improve pad design process. So anything that's as far as the design of the pad itself, um, they're improving 
you know, improve the pad design process because that, I mean, it makes sense. It's SpaceX. They're going to improve every design process throughout the time. They're always going to iterate. They're always going to make things better than they were from the last launch. So it's what SpaceX does. We all know this. They, they work really fast, really, really fast. Sometimes things don't go great when they work really fast, but it's also a way that they gain knowledge. They grab the data from every flight and everything that happens that's bad, they get something good out of it. Um, so Elon posted all this stuff, 63 things. And then we're all like, but when? <laughs> when is this going to happen? And um, so there's a little bit more insight here. Abby um, used to be a former SpaceX mission director or Dragon mission director and NASA engineer. And they posted up um, this tweet. I've seen dozens of Twitter experts. I love this. That's pretty funny. Misunderstand this. Often time by adding breaking to their posts for, for extra clicks. Guilty as charged. Um, but not for extra clicks. I just did it because it was breaking news. So let me reiterate and further explain what Chris details below. SpaceX leads the investigation. SpaceX issues the corrective actions. They pre-write a mishap investigation plan before they even launch. So before IFT-1 even happened, they had the, the mishap investigation before they launch. Then they execute their plan if they have an actual mishap. So they have all these things that could go wrong. Then if they do go wrong, SpaceX is like, this is how we're going to fix it. The FAA formally reviews the plan and also the investigation results and SpaceX recommended corrective actions. But informally, they already know what's coming because of close coordination. So uh, people that have those uh, conspiracy theories, the SpaceX is being held back by the FAA. That's not the case at all. That's not the case at all. SpaceX and the FAA, they're buddies. They're working together since Falcon 1. You know, there's no reason why the FAA would hold them back. There's no like grand conspiracy where the SLS manufacturers are like, hey, let's let's petition Congress or whatever, you know, whatever, whatever the conspiracy. I don't even want to get into that because it's such a weird thing to think. Um, it's such a such an abstract thought to to put into this realm of like, okay, FAA's just doing their job. And the FAA of all organizations, they're here to protect people. They're here to protect property and like make sure nothing gets damaged. So um, anything, that was a little bit of a side tangent. So uh, we'll get back to the FAA and SpaceX working together here. Um, but the FAA provides feedback and can recommend adding something if warranted. Their main job is to verify and enforce that SpaceX does what SpaceX said it will do once they approve the final report. In reality, 90% or more of corrective actions may be finished before the report is even formally submitted. Just depends on how well the root cause is understood and easy to fix. Um, goes, there's a whole, this is a whole nice tweet. Uh, the general public often believes the FAA writes all the corrective actions and has a large team of people conducting the investigation with a heavy hand e.g. the big bad government, like I was saying. Uh, no way. I doubt that will ever be the case for any mishap or anomaly. That is simply not how the government is staffed. So basically, not a huge conspiracy theory right there. That's how, the, that's how it works. Like this guy works for SpaceX or worked for SpaceX, worked for NASA, and now has, uh, you know, has a successful career in this industry doing these things with SpaceX, NASA, and the FAA. 
um, their uh, FAA and their NASA colleagues uh, who have the relevant technical expertise are typically in super close contact with SpaceX team through the head of SpaceX flight reliability where the chief engineers reside. Statements released by the government are usually kept vague but factual, often to the great dismay of social and tradition, traditional media, as well as stands who want a juicy bite. <laughs> That's the best part. I love that he's calling people out the stands who want a juicy bite, ideally brimming with conflict. So people are looking for a way to uh, just be upset. And please don't. It's space flight, everybody. We're here for a good time. We're here to support each other. We're here to support spaceflight in general and humans moving on past this planet to eventually and ideally live someplace else, work someplace else, and make our world and our people multi-planetary. Uh, so he goes on to say, it is in a government agency's best interest to maintain flexibility and work with who they are overseeing while keeping the politician and clickbait journalists and influencers away. They just, they're just doing their job. You know, it, it's just, it's things that uh, a lot of a lot of people don't understand because they're not part of it. And if you if you do a little bit of critical thinking, you know, like this is it's a government agency. It's like the post office. You know, what why would the post office, you know, was there a grand conspiracy about the post office? Some people think so. But most of the time the post office is basically just like picking up your mail and taking it someplace else. Like 99.999999% of the time, that's what they do. Um, but same thing, the FAA, there's nothing going on. So they say, while keeping the politicians and clickbait journalists and influencers away, inflammatory statements could rally politicians to one side or the other, then SpaceX and the FAA's job can become charged and harder. Many people want to see that happen for many reasons. If the final approval stalls, oftentimes it is over a corrective action that was too open to interpretation. Something very vague, maybe, <laughs> and I'm not, I'm just saying, putting this out there, Maybe some of these things are a little bit vague. Replace certain fittings with welds inside tank. SpaceX knows what that is. They pass it over to the FAA. These are the welds we're going to do inside the tank. These are the, you know, the tank sensing, etc. So if the final approval stalls, uh, as an example of what I mean, corrective action is worded as such, redesign of the launch pad to increase its robustness. Oh boy, so you want to break that down into discrete actions defining what robustness means. <laughs> if you want to learn more about the FAA's role, read their website here. So, and you can you can also go to the FAA website, faa.gov, check out what the role is, how they work with spaceflight, and um, how they work with private spaceflight companies like SpaceX and doing these things. Um, now, another another interesting note is that um, since Abby was, um, you know, an Abby's an expert. You know, uh, I'm not an expert. Um, a lot of people that report on SpaceX, we are um, experts by by study, I guess. Um, and somebody like Abby is an expert by doing, uh, working with SpaceX, working uh, Dragon Mission Director, SpaceX Dragon Mission Director and NASA engineer. They're an expert because they did. Um, now, somebody else who is an expert is Michael Sheets, a reporter. Look at that. That was a good transition. By the way, um, and so Michael has been at a conference and posted this on Twitter earlier today. Wish I could announce, uh, uh, Ochenero said, wish I could announce the next Starship launch date, but we're 
working closely with the FAA to get everything ready correctly, all upgrades to the launch pad are completed. So at least we know that all upgrades to the launch pad are completed. So that's what we have so far. So we have a panel of people that was at the WSBW today. SpaceX vice president um, was there, and that's what they were commenting on right here. Wish I could announce the next Starship launch date. This was from a few hours ago. This is from 1141 a.m. Um, wish I could announce the next Starship launch date, but we're working closely with the FAA to get everything ready correctly. All upgrades to the launch pad are completed. So what we know right now, launch pad, good. That's great. We don't know anything about the booster. We don't know anything about those 90 cameras. We don't know anything about the nuts and bolts that are going on behind the scenes. But we do know that the launch pad is completed. All the upgrades are completed. So that's good, uh, including the deluge. That's what it would seem like, right, Stephen? Seems like every everything would be, you know, we could let me let me. Um, SpaceX has certified Falcon 9 for 20 uses. I don't want anybody thinking like your rocket's so big, Tom, we're going to have to wait for you to fill it up. That's absolutely what? Oh, that's absolutely not the case for Starship. It's not something that we're trying to maximize per launch. I don't know what that was for, um, but I was just looking through their tweets to see if they had anything new for the Starship launch. I'm not exactly sure what that means. Um, yeah, so anyway. That's what we got from Michael Sheets, uh, space reporter um, in there right now in the dirt. Uh, I wish I could announce the next Starship launch date, but they're working closely with the FAA. So I'm assuming right now SpaceX and the FAA are currently just hammering stuff out, getting stuff done. And since they're getting stuff done, we're hopefully going to be getting a launch relatively soon but we don't know what that relative term means at this point, right? Because they have ship, they also have ship 26 at the launch site right now. We don't know what that's for either. Why did they bring that down? If they have enough time to put another ship at the launch pad, orbital pad B, or suborbital pad B, if they have enough time to do that and bring it down to the launch site, um, it seems like they're gonna have a few weeks to test it, right? That's what it would seem like they're doing. Uh, ship 26 has all the Raptors They could be doing a static fire test with it, but what is ship 26 for? And that's another question. Could it just be, you know, could they be doing upgrades to the, to the ship, um, interior? Could they be doing ship to make it more robust, to make it more structurally sound, anything, uh, to test it? You know, could they be doing uh static fire test with it to make sure that there's new plumbing? We're not 100% sure. So ship 26 is down there just uh, for right now, just just because <laughs> I don't know. I'm not exactly sure what it's there for. Uh, it doesn't have a heat shield. It doesn't have any fins. It doesn't have any wings. It doesn't have anything like that. It's just a tube with a nose cone and with some Raptors on it. And uh, from what I've seen, uh, it kind of looks like uh, kind of looks like this. Let me show you. What I think it might be, not 100% sure about this. So if you see this right here, uh, this is kind of a cutoff image because I, I can't get it in um, kind of in frame a little bit more. Here, let me see if I can get that in frame a little bit more for you. So the ship on the left, propellant ship, 
right? The propellant ship goes up, propellant fill. Could it possibly be a version of a propellant ship? It's, po it's possible, like a very early, early replication, an early uh, test vehicle for a propellant fill vehicle. It's a possibility. Artemis 3 is coming up. SpaceX um, and NASA. NASA has been working with SpaceX, and NASA has said, like, hey, if SpaceX doesn't kind of get the move on, uh, we might have to postpone, um, you know, might have to postpone Artemis 3 a little bit due to SpaceX. And how bad would that be for SpaceX? So maybe Ship 26 is a propellant fill uh, ship because it has no wings. It has no heat shield, just like this ship. And could it be, you know, could that be what it is? I'm not 100% sure. At this point, nobody really knows what this is for. Uh, but Ship 26 is down at the lot at suborbital pad B, rating, uh, waiting for something to happen. We're not sure what yet. And as of right now, uh, I'm going to look at the road closures to see if there's anything going on. There's no road closures. Actually, all the data um, from the road closures is just blank on the SpaceX website or on the uh, Cameron County website, which is a strange thing because usually they have at least something there um, to show that there's, you know, there was something going on, but right now it's a kind of a strange thing. Look at this as well. Like this is a, this is kind of a strange deal uh, because most of the time they have right here was primary, primary day, alternative, alternative date and alternative date. They use, usually have like something from the past and they do have that down here um, a little bit lower Sunday, September 10th uh, from 10 PM to 1 AM. But Usually they had something up here. So that was kind of a weird thing. Um, but we have no road closures coming up. So we don't know when or if they're going to test ship 26 at the launch site or suborbital pad B. So um, it's it's a mystery. Like that's a mystery ship. And it's kind of fun to think about uh, what kind of what it could be for. Uh, what do you think it's for? I mean, I know there's there's so much um, riding on Artemis 3. Right now, that there's a possibility that it could be a tanker ship, and just as a kind of as a um, as a, a reminder, what's going to happen for Artemis three, the ship, whatever the ship is going to be that launches for Artemis three, will launch into orbit after a propellant ship has been launched into orbit, and it will dock with the propellant ship and fill up again. So the ship is going to launch to orbit, then top off, and then go to uh, go to the moon, basically. Crew transfer, go to the moon. So it seems like I like the loiter too. I've been uh, been outside gas stations and got caught for that a bunch of times when I was younger. So uh, SpaceX is going to be loitering, <laughs> loitering in space, but. You know, that, that's what's going to happen for Artemis 3. And if they are testing that now, it makes sense to get that system, like those systems running and like ready to go. Because if they don't have them ready to go in the next like six months, uh, there's really, it seems like the timeline's going to get really close to get people to the moon with a starship, with an HLS starship, because they haven't even made it to orbit yet haven't even successfully launched yet. Uh, I mean, they haven't had a successful 
uh, test campaign yet, I should say. They have successfully launched. They've made it past the past the tower. So they did launch the thing. Uh, got a little bit, you know, got got a couple minutes down range. But uh, there's definitely a point to where they should be in about a year compared to where they need to be, you know, in like two years, three years time, because they have to hustle. And this could be part of that hustle. Um, so as of right now, not quite sure what is going on with that. It seems like a weird, seems like a weird thing to be testing right now, but it also seems like they must have some time. You know, they, they must know that, you know, this can take some time for the FAA to figure all this stuff out, uh, to figure out what they're working on. And like, if they've gone through all these steps to mitigate the damages for IFT2, so it seems like since ship 26 is down at the pad, um, yeah, I, it seems like it's, it's either just a placeholder, you know, just a, a place to plop it down, or they're going to be doing some testing in the near future. But if they're going to be doing some testing, testing usually takes about a week. So we have at least a week to wait before, like, the, at least SpaceX knows at least there's going to be a week in between now and the flight, you know, the, the FAA's approval for um, the 63 mitigation measures. So there's um, just some time. I think we're going to have a little bit of time. Um, and I think there will be, I think there's, it's going to be a little bit later in the year. Some people are saying the end of September, but you have to remember too, it's only been four months, man. It's only been four months since the first test flight of Starship since literally the biggest rocket, most powerful rocket has flown four months ago. And if we're going to get needy, don't get needy, <laughs> you know, like I would love this thing to launch too, but I can't, we can't get needy about it. You know, like we got, we got to understand that this is insane. The process that they're going through right now and how fast is this? They're working at an incredible rate right now. So by the time they, they get to flight, like the ready for flight again, who it's even if they have to wait six months, that's still incredible. That's still incredible speed to get this thing to launch again, because not only did they have one 400 foot tall rocket ready to launch, they launched it, cleared the pad, got up, didn't separate. And it, you know, did a little flip flop, but that's okay. That's okay. But six months, maybe seven months down the line, maybe Maybe they'll launch another one. But even if they have, you know, we're at four months now, if they take a couple extra months, what if they do it in January? It doesn't matter because this is this is like such an engineering achievement anyway that if we have to wait, it's fine. <laughs> so I'm just as guilty as you. So anybody out there that's listening to this or watching this right now and you are like, just launch the rocket. Just come on. I just want to see this thing launch. I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. I know that this is important. This is an important rocket and we need this thing to fly. But also we have to understand that this is going to take some time. And this is literally the most incredible engineering feat that, um, you know, that's ever happened in space flight. So we also have to put that into perspective. Um, take a little bit of time to just take a breath, calm down and go, hey, if it takes another three months, that's good. That's good because if they can launch a successful launch campaign with IFT2 
imagine what's going to happen for IFT3 and IFT4. How fast after IFT2 they'll be able to turn these things around and start launching at a dedicated, you know, five launches per year. I, I mean, it, it seems like it seems like if they can get more than five launches per year, they're going to move over to the Cape eventually. They're going to need to move over to the Cape uh, to, you know, to work with NASA eventually. But right now at Starbase, they have approximately five launches per year and they can always, you know, they can always up that eventually. But right now they have five. If they could get two off this year, that's incredible. After everything they've been through in the the environmental study and the environmental impact study and all the other stuff that's been holding them back. Um, and they actually get this thing launched twice in a year. And if the second one's successful, uh, we're looking at like crazy amounts of uh, upgrades in the next year. So we'll probably get, I mean, they need to launch like a hundred times before this thing's human rated. Gwen Shotwell even said that. A hundred, they need to do like hundreds of flights before this thing's human rated. And right now at Starbase, they can't do a hundred flights. They could do five a year. Uh, they could probably, once they prove that they can do more than that, you know, once they prove that the ship is successful, they can launch it successfully. They have all these processes in place. And this is a normal process for something like this to happen. A new rocket, like this is an incredible pace for a new rocket to go through to get, um, verified and continue to fly uh, incredible pace like absolutely never been done before in spacex especially for some like there's nothing this big anyway but there's never been anything with this much power to ever be uh flight ready this fast or to be tested this fast so there will be um there will be some changes that are going to be happening in the next few flights, but there's go also going to be uh, the next flight is super important. So get it right. You know, we can wait. I can wait a couple months. It's fine. Uh, I'm sure everybody else can wait a couple months. If you got nothing else going on, um, you know, and you, you really like digging into this stuff, I think it's really a cool to, uh, to see when people really dig into this stuff and especially like this mitigation stuff that we were talking about earlier. If people can find out what all these things are like 90 plus cameras is incredible too, by the way, added to detect leakage during operation. These are little pinhole cameras, little GoPro style cameras inside and outside uh, for operations. So 90 cameras, we're probably not going to see them, but people will dig into that and see like kind of where they do it with the Falcon. Um, so underneath the skirt of the ship, ship 25 probably has a bunch of those cameras. Uh, which will show the gimbling of the of the engines and also gimbling underneath the uh, engines of uh, the booster too. So we have probably, I'm going to say, let's just count a couple here. Five to 10 for ship skirt. So let's do, let's do, let's just do 10. Let's go high. Let's aim high. So let's do ship, um, ship would be 10 and then booster would be 10. So there's 20 of those 90 cameras already taken care of under the skirt, pointing at the, um, pointing at the engines. Kevin, thank you so much. Um, hopefully you're going to get some, some starship launches here soon. So, so you can, uh, get some acknowledgement here, but thank you, Kevin, for that super chat. I really do appreciate that. Helps me continue doing the show, uh, super chats and 
Uh, even liking the show, liking this video really helps too. So if you haven't liked the video, uh, take Kevin's lead here and help out the show just a little bit. Hit the like button. And if you're really into space flight, there you go. You got your starships coming in hot. Um, if you really like space flight, um, then hit the subscribe button because you're not just going to get my channel, but you'll also get other channels that are similar to this in your feed that are about SpaceX and space flight that you might not know about. So it's going to help you more than it's going to help me if you subscribe to the show. So uh, thank you for that. Again, Kevin, thanks for that 10. appreciate that. It's going to help out the show a lot. So, um, you know, if if we think about it, the skirt of uh, Booster and ship probably about 20 cameras altogether because there's so many engines in the booster, 33 engines in the booster. So you have to have cameras kind of everywhere, you know, like have them around, but also have them like tucked up and under. So they're looking down so you can see the leaks where everything's connected. So you're going to have them pointed like in weird directions that are pointing up and like at an angle, like by the, by the Raptors. And you're also going to have them on the outsides to see um, all the other Raptors. And they're going to be very wide angle too. So you can kind of see the wide angle of numerous Raptors at once. So I'm assuming 10 or maybe probably more at the bottom of the booster. And then there's going to be some internal cameras too. So maybe 20 at the bottom of the booster. I'm not sure exactly. And also stage separation. There's going to be, um, it's going to be some, some cameras there too, but yeah, it's going to be, going to be a wild ride. It's going to be a wild, wild ride. And I hope they've released some of that footage. I'm not sure if they're going to have uh, any of that footage available to send down to Starbase as they're flying, but maybe, maybe in the future, we're going to get some of that via Starlink on the starships as they're flying. We'll get some direct feeds, which would be incredible. I'm not, I'm guessing it's not going to happen this time. I'm guessing we're just going to get, you know, that's for internal SpaceX stuff. Um, and maybe they're going to be shipping it down to, you know, sending it down to Starbase that we'll be able to see eventually. Maybe they'll release some of it. Um, also, we have to think about, you know, the uh, the security protocols too for SpaceX. Um, what can they release to the public? What is private? And what does uh, the government kind of check on? Because maybe the government is, you know, they don't want other countries or other entities to see what SpaceX is up to underneath the skirt and underneath uh, inside of the booster or inside of the ship. So there's that part of it too, but at least 90 cameras. That's incredible. Hey, what's up, Bob? Welcome back, buddy. Um, so it seems like at this point, 90 cameras is a, a bunch, but we do have, you know, we have a bunch of other stuff too. Uh, add backup wire. And these are all done beforehand too. Like Abby said, these are all done beforehand. Pre, They pre-write a mishap investigation plan before they even launch. So SpaceX is aware of things that might go wrong. And they know kind of, they know their strengths. They know their weaknesses. They know there's things that uh, we're going to improve on that. You know, they're going to improve on certain things after this first launch. And when they do that, um, or when they submit this investigation plan before the launch, they know, holy cow, these things could go wrong. And if they do go wrong, then the FAA picks up on them and they go, hey, you got to fix these things. And SpaceX is like, yeah, we know. <laughs> yeah, we'll fix them. You know, like we're on it, you know. Um, 
Yeah, it's it's incredible. It's incredible. Um, I th- I think there's a lot more that's going to be happening in the next few weeks as far as um, as far as the flight goes, as far as uh, updates from Elon too, because he likes to pump out information. And we know that Elon is just he's he's the promo machine. If you get a microphone in front of that guy and he just wants to talk about SpaceX and Starbase and Starship, it's it's over. Like everyone's going to get pumped up for this thing. So um, I want to show you this, too, to get you pumped up, too. We've seen this. This is from Maxar. Maxar Technologies. They are a. Um, they have this thing called Worldview One and Worldview One is a satellite that takes uh, brilliant images from space of the earth and certain parts. And they, they do flyovers of certain areas, but they did a flyover of Starbase. And they have these great photos of Starbase. And of course, this is from space, so it's black and white. Um, but I want to show you, like, you know, it's kind of kind of grainy, but you can see some of the construction going on down there. You can see the tank farm. You can see the ship. You can see the booster. You can see everything below them. But also, is that the same one? I think that's the same one. You can, And then this one, which is great. You can see the whole, uh, the flight area. So this is the cool spot right over here at the top. I'm going to zoom in on this right here. This is a SpaceX parking lot that only SpaceX employees are allowed to go into um, and allowed to park in. And right down here, I don't know if I can get over here. No, I can't. A little bit down the road. And if you go left here, that's a good place to park. Like right here, this little swampy area, this spot right here, if you park right here, like right across from the employee parking lot, you can park like right on the side of the road here. And that's a really good spot to hang out and just like check out the action because you get a very great view of everything and it makes it look like oh man this is such a like so far away it's not like especially when this when the when the rocket's there it is ginormous um so it's a really great spot to see everything and get to see the bottom like the underbelly of a ship and you get to see the the tower and all the cranes and everything but um yeah it's a it's a great it's a great spot. And over here on your right, this is a good spot if you go like a little bit up here and then like on these sand dunes, if the top right part, um, that's a really good place to hang out too. And like, just, just look, you know, you can just be like, that's a giant ship. <laughs> that's a giant, it's a giant spaceship. Um, yeah, Bob, this is from space. Yeah. This is the Maxar. Uh, what is it? What's it called? The, uh, Worldview one, they have a worldview two as well, but they have, yeah, they have, uh, two photos that they released on their Twitter and their Twitter account. Well, their X account is Maxar at Maxar, but yeah, it's an, it's an incredible technology and you can see everything. It's kind of like, you know, like when Google Maps, when you go to Google Maps and like everything is just like you can see everything and you can go down the road and everything. This is a just a flyover that they can take anytime they go over. Um, so it could be updated whenever Maxar wants it to be updated. And I think you can buy certain you can you can get them to fly over certain areas. Um, I think you can I think you can pay for that. I'm not 100 percent sure, though, but I think it's a lot of money. So 
this is good enough. <laughs> this point, for me, I'm like, man, I wish I had the money to have them fly over this every day and just like get an update. That would be pretty sweet. But it would pretty much look like this every day at this point. I mean, you'd see ship 26 over here. But, you know, other than that, you wouldn't really, there really wouldn't be much different, you know? Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a wild place, but I'm glad they did this and I'm glad they, glad they took this photo because it is, or these photos, because it's a, a, an incredible place. Um, Abe says, how quick everyone forgets how the FAA gave hard time to SpaceX when launching Starship 8. Yeah, they did. I mean, as they should, it wasn't safe. Yeah, I don't think, you know, FEA gave them a hard time because they probably should have, you know, they went outside the boundaries. So of what was, um, what was deemed fit for the launch of ship eight. So it seems like, it seems like the FAA and SpaceX are both working really hard together and working very well together. And it, it looks like they're in like direct communication all the time and they will be working on the next flight, the IFT2 flight for the foreseeable future, because that's what they need to do. They need to get to a certain spot um, as far as as far as uh, regulations go and as far as the mitigations of the next flight goes. Uh, and before we move on, this is a this is a really cool thing. This has nothing to do with SpaceX, but this is a huge, huge deal um, with for future people living in space. From NASA's James Webb Telescope, their Twitter account, x.com account, whatever you want to call it. I don't know. It's so weird just to say X. Um, the Webb Telescope has detected uh, carbon dioxide and methane in the atmosphere of exoplanet K218b, potentially habitable world over eight times bigger than Earth. Okay, so we know it's different than Earth. Webb's data suggests the planet might be covered in ocean. We know what that means. Ocean, water, huh? Sounds good with a hydrogen rich atmosphere. Okay. Okay. That sounds great. Hydrogen rich. We got an ocean atmosphere composition, but this is okay. So we're going to, so that sounds cool already, right? It gets even better. Webb also hinted at a detection of dimethyl sulfide DMS on K218B on earth. This molecule is only produced by microbial life because the detection needs to be confirmed the team plans to follow up and look for additional evidence of biological activity on the planet. Microbial life. NASA came out and said, on Earth, this molecule is only produced by microbial life. Could James Webb Space Telescope have just found life on K218b? It's 100 light years away. Is that what they said? I think it's 100 light years away. While K218b is in the habitable zone where conditions are right for liquid water to exist, that does not necessarily mean it can support life. For instance, it may have a hostile environment due to its active star. Its ocean may also be too hot to be habitable. Uh, and then uh, Aureo Games said, how far from us? NASA Webb Telescope says it's about 120 light years from Earth. So if you're on the speed of light, it's going to take you 120 years to get there. Um, so we aren't going there anytime soon. Uh, K218B, uh, no one's going to visit that anytime soon, but it's a really cool, um, you know, discovery that 
there might be microbial life on this planet that's way, way out there. Super huge planet, eight times bigger than Earth. Webb's data suggests the planet might be covered in an ocean with a hydrogen-rich atmosphere. Microbial life. Uh, Star Watcher says, how sweet that would be. Yeah, yeah, that would be amazing. It would be great if, we, if they actually found the first uh, presence of life in the universe other than us that we know of just, you know, just from a telescope, you know, how cool would that be? And then they can find those other, um, find those other details on other planets and other systems that are closer than this. Like, okay, so this is what we're looking for. Now they know what they're looking for. The atmospheric composition. Um, I'm not exactly sure what this is. I'm not a planetary scientist. I don't know a lot of these things, but we have, they have methane, um, Methane, methane, carbon dioxide, methane, and dimethyl sulfide, and carbon dioxide, dimethyl sulfide. So it looks like a lot of methane, CH4, on this planet. So 120 light years away. Not the farthest planet away, but also we're never going to go there. So um, so we'll never find this microbe. We'll never be able to bring it back, which, you know, which would be really great to... Uh, discover it with people or with robots, then bring it back to Earth. But we haven't even made a uh, a Mars return sample mission yet. So in the next, uh, hopefully, 100 years, we'll maybe get some way to uh, move to K218b. That'll be cool. Not move us, but like send something there. Maybe there's somewhere like a, a, a ripple in time or something. I don't know. Space time could be could be ripped open and we could fly over there real quick. Um, K218 sounds more like Mesozoic Earth. Hot CO2 heavy means minimal plant life for recreating oxygen. The oceans may be extremely CO2 heavy. It does, yeah. It seems like it seems like Earth, uh, like Alpha Earth, <laughs> like like Earth way back when, you know, like the the initial launch of Earth. Um, when Webb finds industrial pollution, the atmosphere is an exoplanetary known where we are not alone. I really hope uh, we figure that out. I really hope someday we go to Mars and when we go to Mars and we do a sample return, we're like, Hey, there's microbes here. And these aren't our microbes. These are something else. So if we can figure that out, that would be absolutely incredible. That's what Starship's all about too. It's about sending a ship to another planet with people on board or robots on board. And then we could do a sample return with the Starship itself because Starship can land, you know, it, it, it can go to, can go to Mars. They can do all the science and engineering for six months or whatever, pack it all back up into Starship, and then fly back to Earth, put the stuff into a lab, check it out. Or maybe there's a lab on the Starship. And they'll be doing like on their six-month journey back to Earth. Maybe those six months, they'll find they'll find microbes not even on earth, but they'll find them while they're in the starship coming back to earth because they have the, the, uh, you know, the, the technology on the ship itself to do the, uh, the science. So that, that would be incredible. Um, now once you get that close to the facilities, uh, some entities would like SpaceX to fail launching Starlink, uh, sat bots every week as a threat to their control of information. Um, or maybe the same micro. Yeah. Steven, who knows? Um, who knows? Uh, Michael Maxey says, will, will you make the pilgrimage back to Starbase for the IFT to launch? 
Now, unfortunately, I cannot make the IFT2 launch. Um, I, it depends on when IFT3 is, but I might be able to make IFT3 or IFT4. Uh, but right now I have to stay where I am, uh, unfortunately, because I don't do YouTube as full-time as I used to. Like when I lived in Starbase, basically, when I lived in Brownsville, I was doing it full-time because I, you know, I kind of had to, or it was like, do that and survive or, you know, or don't do it. And then, I don't know, deliver food for a living or whatever, <laughs> like get a coding job. But right now I'm, I, I still do this as full-time as possible, but I can't do it as, as full-time as I did when I was at Starbase. Um, so unfortunately I won't be making the IFT2 launch, uh, personally, but I will be watching it and we have some, uh, ideas to stream the, uh, the launch here on the channel. So make sure to subscribe, of course because that's what it's all about on YouTube. We got to get subscribers so we can have more people be pumped about Starship and space flight. So please take a second and hit the sub button and hit the like button. And also, I think I think that was the last thing I want to show everybody today. Yeah, I think that was it. Microbial life, possibly on K218B. Starship updates. Everything is in order. I think we're good. Yeah, I think we're good. Let me take a look at chat real quick, see where we're at. Um, yeah, Steven, if it's the same microbes, how crazy would that be if we found the same, uh, microbial life there as here, I would just, I don't, I, I really hope I'm around for that. I really do. Um, if they can figure out a way to, to test, to see what that is, I would, I don't know what I would do with myself. I would probably cry. You know, if we found life someplace else, I'd probably have a breakdown for a good, a good day or two and not know what to do with myself in a good way, because that's stuff that I've been waiting for my whole life. So, uh, that would make my life complete. That'd be great. Or to see people stand on Mars. I think that'd be cool too. And to watch a moon landing would be pretty cool too. So I know you're all, everyone that's watching this is in the same boat as me. Like we all want to see that stuff. So, um, yeah, stay tuned. It's going to be, it's going to be a wild ride in the next few weeks here at starship starbase and down at boca chica so yeah gonna be pretty cool so i think that's it for today everybody uh thank you so much for watching and thanks for hanging out thanks for all the uh subs today i really do appreciate it i appreciate everybody out there and thanks for the super chat we got a super chat from kevin today thank you so much and thanks jp uh ryan ian chris dfm uh, we got Warren, we got Michael, uh, we got Jim, um, and who else do we got for subs today? Got a bunch of other people for subs today, but I can't do the whole list. So that's a lot of people. So thank you very much. Uh, I do appreciate you and let's do it for next time, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, 1 PM Eastern time. So stay tuned. And also, uh, that's about it. Take care, everybody. I'll see you in the next one. All right, let's jam out to some music for a second. Bob Brink, what are you doing? Coming in hot. Oh, Space News Pod memberships at the end of the stream. Klaus, end of days, new members. We got David, we got Mastablasta and Daxter. Thank you for the gifted memberships. Bob Brink, you are a champ. Unfortunately, I don't have any rockets for you. 